morning, everybody. How are we doing today? Awesome. Turn your Bibles with me, if you would, to Ephesians chapter 2. How many of you guys had a good Thanksgiving? Because I wasn't looking at... How many of you guys had a horrible Thanksgiving? All right, if you came to my house, you better not raise your hand. Every year, we kind of have a tradition. We, we invite people over that maybe don't have family in town. And uh, so we had some people over this week, and we had a great time. Uh, I love Thanksgiving. The bad part about this Thanksgiving for me, though, was in the middle of the night, the night before I got sick, and so I didn't get to eat Thanksgiving dinner with everybody. It was kind of a bummer. And then, um, and then it made everybody else sick, probably, and they went home, and they've been recovering for the last couple of days. Did anybody get sick that came to my house? Okay. James? No? All right. He was eating off my plate, so... But um, they had a great Thanksgiving, had some people over. Uh, it was a busy week for us. My daughter turned, uh, one of my daughters turned eight this week, and so she had a little birthday party. And for her birthday party, she loves Narnia, in case you didn't know. Most of you probably know that by now, but she loves Narnia. And so she wanted to do like Narnia-type stuff, and, and what, you know, nothing says Narnia like a bow and arrow. Come on, somebody. And so uh, we, I went and picked up a couple of bales of hay and stacked in the backyard and, uh, and she could only invite girls over to this birthday party, and so she had five of her girlfriends over, and we shot arrows, come on now, in the backyard. We had so much fun. It was so much fun that on Thanksgiving Day, all the guys went out to the backyard, and we picked up my daughter's little pink bow, come on somebody, and we were shooting arrows at the, at the target. It was a good time. We, re- we really enjoyed it, but um, one of the things that my daughter really wanted for uh, her birthday this week is uh, my other daughter turned 10 over the summer, and I surprised her and made her this surfboard table because she loves to surf. And so I had uh, an old table laying around, so I turned it into a surfboard and made the surfboard table. Ever since my youngest daughter saw that, uh, she's been wanting her own desk for her bedroom. And, uh, of course, she's given me ideas for the last five months. Hey, Dad, on my birthday, could I have this? Could I have this? And the idea changes every week. So finally, I just put all of her ideas away. I said, what does my daughter love? She loves... Thank you. You've been listening. Good. She loves Narnia. Okay. And so I thought, man, what, you know, there, there couldn't be anything cooler than the stone table. Have you guys seen Narnia before? The stone table that Aslan got, you know, that story, right? Come All right. Let's watch the movie. And so I made her a stone table desk and it is pretty cool. I'm not going to lie. I, I did well. How many of you guys have seen the desk? Come on. How many of you guys think it's pretty cool? Come on. Yeah. So I made this stone table desk for an engraved in red letters. It says the stone table, and it's got an inlaid glass top, and it's got these stone legs and stuff. And so she knew that I was making her something. And so all week long, you know, she's like, Dad, can I get my gift from you before my party? Can I get my gift from you before my party? And I'm just, I didn't think I was going to get it done. I was like, well, baby, why do you want to get the gift for me before your party? And says, because, Dad, at my party, I want to show it to all my friends. I was just like, I will get it done for you. You know what I'm saying? I mean, because come on, every masterpiece should be on display for somebody to see. You know what I'm talking about? And, you know, it hit me at that moment that as she was like, Dad, I just know it's going to be awesome. And I want it. I want all my friends to see what you have made for me. And at that moment, it hit me that this fits right in with our theme of Canvas that we've been talking about. Because you know what? When God does something awesome in your life, we should put it on display, come on, for everybody to see. We shouldn't want to hide it. We shouldn't want to wait. But when God has done something powerful in our life, man, we should be see. come on, Daddy, can, can you finish the work that you started in me? God, God can you finish that, that, that thing that you're doing in me? Why? Because I want my friends to see, come on, somebody, what you're doing in my life. And I thought about that this week. And so today I want to talk to you simply about what is the result of the masterpiece. What is, what is the end product? Why is God painting a masterpiece in our life? And so I want to get into that today uh, in, in Ephesians 
chapter 2, and we're going to pull it up here in the New Living Translation. And it says this, it says, for we are God's masterpiece. And on week one, we talked about the fact that we are God's, and we talked about the fact that we are a masterpiece. We are God's masterpiece. If, 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 if we're God's masterpiece, that means he must be the master painter. And we realized this on week one, that we are not even the painting. Uh, we are not the cool colors on the canvas. We are not the brush, you know, the brushes that paint on the canvas. We are simply the blank canvas. And when we allow God to paint on our life, come on, it displays His glory. And so we talked about that. The second week we talked about how He has created us anew. Why did Christ need to create us anew? Because of sins in our life that we have committed and because of emotional scars, things that happen from the outside, things that come against us from other people. Because of those things, Christ needs to come and He needs to create us anew. And last week we talked about the focal point of the whole entire picture and and, and the picture came uh, into completion as we talked about how Christ creates us anew. But today I want to talk to you about the last part of this verse. So we can do the good things He planned for us long ago. Let me pray. God, we thank you for your word today. God, we thank you that your word is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. And I pray that that word that is alive would come forth today and, and literally minister to every single person sitting in this place. God, that our, uh, that our hearts would be stirred to love you more, that our hearts would be stirred to love people more, and we would share with others the great work, the great things that you've done in and through us. God, we love you. We thank you for who you are. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen, amen. Every good masterpiece uh, be- belongs on display. All right, that's why, you have, that's why you have art places, right? That's why you have art galleries that you can go and you can be. How many of you have been to an art gallery before? Do I have any? Yeah, you got some culture. Good. So we got some culture people. You've been to an art gallery, right? And you walk through and, and some of the stuff you look at, you, you don't really know what it is, but it's, it's art, right? And it, it belongs in a gallery if it's a masterpiece. And people walk through and they stand back and they admire the artwork. They admire the masterpiece. Well, I want you to know something that God intends his master pieces to be on display that you are God's masterpiece Ephesians 2:10 you're God's and God intends every single one of his masterpieces to be on display for others to see okay and so God wants the work that he has done in our life to be seen by other people okay and we're going to talk about that here in just a moment his works need to be on display. And honestly, our thought and our feeling should just be, be like my daughter's was this week. That, that I want all my friends to come over and see what my dad did for me. I, I want all my friends at work. I want all my neighbors. I want everyone I'm around to see what God has done for me. Because he took something that was jacked up and messed up, come on, and he created it anew and made it into a beautiful masterpiece. And there is a purpose for that masterpiece. And that purpose is simply this, that he wants it to be on display for others to see. Ephesians 2 says the good things in the New Living Translation. In other translations, it says good works. And if you actually take the things, uh, the, the word things in this, that's actually what it means. It means the works, okay? So it's talking about the good works. Well, that makes me think of John 14, 12, where it says this, that greater works than what Jesus did, you and I will do, okay? 
Then I need to begin to think about this. Well, what are the good works that Christ did? When you read through the New Testament, you flip through the pages and you start to read about the life of Jesus, you begin to see that he did some pretty incredible things. What were some of those things? Some of those things were uh, blind people came to him, right? Right? Okay. Make sure we're on the same page. We've got the same Bible. Make sure it's Holy Bible. All right, good. It says Book of Mormon. Throw it, all right? Holy Bible. And you read through and you see all the, all the works that he did. Man, blind people were brought to him and he healed them. Sometimes he spat in their eyes. Sometimes he made mud and flung it in their eyes. Come on, somebody. Okay. Why he did all those things, I don't know. But when we get to heaven, come on, we're going to find out, right? And, and he opened up blind eyes. Sometimes paralyzed people were brought to him and, and he healed them and they could walk out whole. Right, He came by the pools of Bethesda, and there were all these people, and he, he healed somebody there. He raised people from the dead. How many think those are some pretty good works? Okay. And all of that stuff is awesome as we read about it, and we see the good works that, that Christ Jesus does. But let me tell you something. The greatest work that Jesus Christ came to do was to seek and save the lost. It was to save humanity. It was to pull people out of their sin, out of their stuff, and give them a brand new life. Come on, are you with me today? Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Why? Because of the good work of Jesus Christ. What he did with his death, burial, and resurrection. And this is the greatest work that he does. But yet the Bible says that, that greater works than this you and I will do. Now that gets me excited. Okay? That gets me excited. Because, and obviously when we read that verse, a lot of us would think about, oh yeah, I want to see blind eyes opened. Come on, let's be honest. Right? Yeah, I mean, I want to go find some blind people today and I want to throw some mud in their eyes. Right? Man, I want to find me some dude in a wheelchair, man, and I'm going I'm to grab him by the hand and I'm going to pull him up out of that, that chair and I'm going to put Jesus to the test. Right? Greater works than these you will do. And we think about all those things, yet the greatest work that Christ Jesus ever did was to die on the cross for all humanity, for all to be saved. So that tells me this, that the greatest works that you and I could do, what does the Bible say? So we can do the good things or we can do the good works He planned for us long ago. What are those good works? I believe those good works are for us to preach the good news of Jesus Christ. Come on, to open up, not, not, not naturally blind eyes, but spiritually blind eyes. Come on, so that Jesus could come into their life and create them brand new. If you believe that, say amen. These are the good works. And so he wants us on display. He wants every masterpiece on display. The greatest work that you and I could do is to be on display for others to see. What are our works? Look at this real quick. Our works. Uh, let me just turn over, and you can turn there with me if you want. Matthew uh, 5. I'm going to start in verse 13. It's not going to be on there, so hopefully you brought a Bible. If not, a phone, an iPad. Kindle, Kindle fire, or if you're like Jonathan, you got the whole Bible memorized, so you don't need to carry one. Matthew chapter 5. Look at this now. This is, this is going to be good. Matthew chapter 5. Why does God want his masterpiece on display? Verse 13. You are, say I am, I am. the salt of the earth. 
That's pretty cool. You don't need to keep going. Just one part. Come on, take orders, people. You are the salt of the earth. Now listen to this. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. Boo. Verse 14. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Think about that. This is why God wants us to be on display. Matter of fact, let me rewind for a minute. This is the whole reason why he takes the picture that's messed up and jacked up and comes in and begins to create it anew. It's not just so you can be brand new. It's so that you could go in the art gallery. It's so that you could go on the wall. It's so that you could be on display for everyone to see. Because the Bible says when they see your good works, they'll glorify who? Your Father who is in heaven. Okay? You don't light a lamp and stick it under something. You light a lamp and put it out so others can see. Listen to what 2 Peter 2.9 says. And I'm just going to go from memory here. 2 Peter 2.9 says, you are a holy nation, a chosen generation, God's own special people, okay? Right? He's done a work in you. The rest of that verse says this, so that you can proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. He comes in in the first part of 2 Peter 9, and he paints a picture. He says, here's who you are. You're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, God's own special people. I'm a masterpiece. That's pretty cool, right? I'm a royal priesthood. I'm a holy nation. I'm, I'm God's own special piece of art. But then he goes into the purpose. So that you can proclaim, so that you can go on display excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light think about that now think about that think about about this for a minute think about every major character in the bible every major character in the bible before they were used by god they had a gift they had a talent they worked just like you and i do But when God pulls them on the scene, they are not displaying their gift. They're not displaying their talent. They're not displaying the things they do. They are displaying the glory of God. Are you with me? Daniel comes on the scene. What does he do? Display the glories of God. Right? David comes on the scene. What's his purpose? Man, he was a king. Yeah, really good. But what was his purpose? We see that he was to build the kingdom of God. You go to the New Testament and you look at people like Paul right? Formerly Saul on the road to Damascus. God comes and interrupts his life, okay? He had a job, he had a duty, and on the side, he killed Christians. (laughs) 
God comes and interrupts his life, and now his whole being, his whole purpose is to display the glory of God. Listen, each and every one of us in here today has a job. We go to school, right? We go 12 years, then we graduate, then we go to college, then we get a degree, and then none of us even actually work in our intended major, right? And then you think about all the money you wasted, and you're like, man, still paying, how many guys are still, don't raise your hand, (laughs) still paying off those student loans. Unbelievable. I wish I would have went to the military. Not all my college paid for. But you, you, you go to all the school and you get wise so you can work, right? And that's good. And, and, and the Bible talks about you need to work. He who doesn't work doesn't eat, okay? And how many guys think it's good to eat? Come on, somebody. All right? And so work, you know, eat, that's good, okay? But the whole purpose of our life is not to do the job we're doing. The whole purpose of our life is to be on display so that others could see on your job the amazing work that Christ has done in you and begin to turn their eyes towards heaven. Okay? But see, sometimes we, we, we get off and all of a sudden all of our passion, all of our energy, all of our focus goes into this job. My job is to help people awesome. I was a psychology major, okay? And a lot of the things I learned, they go into helping people. But the greatest way I can help people is not just through counseling. The greatest way I can help people is by allowing them to see what Christ Jesus has done in my life. We go and we get a business degree. And man, we, we rise to the top and we become CEOs or whatever it is. And, and we're making all this money and, and we have all these things and that's all good and well. But listen to me, if Christ is not, come on, the center of your masterpiece. If this is not on display, then you are doing nobody any good. We, we, can, we can work from sunup to sundown till the day we die. Let me ask you this question. Ephesians 2, 10. He's created us anew so that we could have a really good job and make a lot of money and buy cars and homes and boats and go on vacations and raise our children in a, in a good school district. Now, he's created us anew so that we could begin to do the good works that he created us for long ago listen to me don't get me wrong there's nothing wrong using your talent to get wealth okay but let me ask you a question today church when is the last time you shared your faith with somebody i know the last time you went to work monday tuesday wednesday thursday friday some of you saturday workaholics sunday not at church But let me ask this question. When's the last time? Someone need to write this one down. When's the last time you shared your faith with somebody? Here's, here's, how, here's how the most of us live our Christian life. God's done this wonderful, man, he's done a work in me. And it's amazing. I mean, he's, he's right there and I love Jesus. Yes, I do. I love Jesus. How about you? Amen. But here's how, here's how most of us go to work. 
I mean, the, the painting's still there. He's still, he's, still, he's still right there. He still did a work in my life. I mean, he still fixed all the jacked up stuff. But then I go, go to work, I go to school. I go out and hang out with my neighbors. And here's the thing is, is that when the canvas is like that, it really doesn't look much different than any other canvas. Right? It's just another canvas. Just another canvas. Looks like every other canvas. But no, he's, he's done a work in my life. Really? Where, where, where is that at? Oh, on Sunday, don't get me wrong. On Sunday, you know. Sunday. Some of you, Sunday looks like that. Dancing, singing. Woo, I love Jesus. Okay. For some of you, Sunday looks like that. I don't know. Which one do you like better? What in God's name is that? Okay. God's done this wonderful work in our life, and we, we talk about it at church. Man, God's good. That's what you're supposed to say all the time. Remember, we're in church. God's good. All the time. And then we go to, go to work. When's the last time you shared your faith with somebody? When's the last time you, you were so excited about the desk your father created that you wanted it set up in the room? Dad, can you clean my room too? Because it's your birthday, I'll do that. So I cleaned up her room and, man, the desk was there and we brought her in blindfolded and we took off the blindfold and she saw you. When's the last time you're so excited about what God's done in your life? It's just I can't wait for my friends to come over tonight. I can't wait. I can't wait to call so and so. I gotta tell them what my father has done in my life. I mean, what good does it do, right? To Matthew 5. <laughs> Hide it. Matthew 5 puts it pretty clear. If, if, you, if you lose your saltiness, and let's be honest, salt does no good in the salt shaker, right? Salt does no good when it's in the shaker. It's when it gets shaken out on the steak. Come on, somebody. That tri-tip, medium rare, the barbecue. Come on. Hmm. But if the salt stays in the shaker on the table, it's just a table ornament. Go with me real quick to, to Mark chapter 2. It's getting quiet. Pastor, talk about emotional scars again. 
I want to know how I can get healed. Welcome to Canvas. Mark chapter 2. To me, paints a great picture of what it looks like when, 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 when God's awesome work is on display. By the way, this is still available. Just, just thought I'd throw it out there. I know somebody's got a room it would look good in. To me, this paints a great picture of what it looks like when, when, when God's masterpieces are on display. Mark chapter 2, starting in verse 1. And it reads, And when he, Jesus, returned to Capernaum, which happened to be the center of his ministry, After some days, it was reported that he was at home. And many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. How many know that's a revival right there? Come on, somebody. Listen, it doesn't say that he was healing anybody yet. It doesn't say that he was doing any miracles yet. He was just simply preaching the word. And as he preached the word, the place became so packed that there was not even room at the door. Get ready, Canvas. And he was preaching the word to them. Now listen, and they came bringing him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let him down on the bed in which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise, take up your bed and walk? But that you may know the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up the bed and went out before them all so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this before. Wow. This to me, ladies and gentlemen, is an amazing picture of what takes place when God's masterpieces, you and I, are on display for others to see. Now remember, the whole premise of our, of our series is this, how can we begin to paint a better picture? And I want to talk to you for the next few moments on how you and I can begin to paint a picture with our life. And I believe it takes place when our life goes on display for others to see. Jesus had now come back to Capernaum, and he was in the certain house, and he was preaching the good news. And as he was preaching the good news, the place got so filled up that there was not even room enough at the door to get in. That's pretty awesome. They came to hear Jesus preaching. 
But there were four guys that didn't come alone. There were four guys that came with intentionality. And their intention was not just to hear the preaching of the Word. Their intention was to get some jacked up person to Jesus. That was their whole intention. Now how many of you know that to get four guys to agree upon anything that involves compassion is a miracle? Football, we're there. Food, we're there. Compassion, check with me next week. These four dudes were living their life like this. I don't know if it was a close friend of theirs. I don't know if it was one of their, their, their brothers or cousins or, or, or uncles or whatever, dad, whatever it was. All we know is there were four guys that came but didn't come alone. And they were bringing this dude who was paralyzed. The word paralyzed simply means to be brought to a place of stoppage or inability to act. A place of stoppage or inability to act. In the story, it's a very natural circumstance. But how many of you know that there are a lot of people in our culture today that maybe it's not natural at all, but spiritually they have been brought to a place of stoppage or inability to act for themselves? They're hurting. They're hurting. And here are four dudes that decided to let it be on display. And they grab the dude and his cock and they carry him to where Jesus is at. The story gets better. I don't know if, I don't know if Jesus just, you know, allowed the crowd to, to pack in the door to make this story that much better. But they get there and there ain't no way in. Right? This is typically where you and I would do this. Well, we tried did my job, brought him here, it's packed, can't get in. Sorry, paralyzed guy. What is the paralyzed guy? You you can't get in. But these dudes, they don't stop there. Don't you feel like you're like watching a pop-up book or something? They don't stop there. There's got to be something we can do. And so somehow they find their way up on a roof. And it's not their home. You come to my house, you start tearing off my roof. I'm going to go grab my daughter's little pink bow and I'm going to start shooting you. Try it. They don't stop there. Listen to what they do. They somehow lower the dude down to Jesus. And I've happened to preach this passage a couple of times before. And every time I read this passage, the same question comes back to me. And that is simply this. The dude's paralyzed. Why did they lower him down? Why didn't they just push him down? (laughs) 
What, you never thought about that before? The dude's paralyzed. He can't feel nothing. Why all the work? I'll tell you why, because to me it speaks of that great compassion. Because it's not just about getting people to Jesus, it's about how we get people to Jesus. What does 1 Corinthians 13 say? The greatest of these is love. See, it's not just about our picture being on display, blaring at everybody. my brilliant green and my splatters are red. It's not just about me just... What does the Bible say in verse... Without love, it's like a clanging cymbal. Oh, if I knew where a drumstick was right now. And so they, 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 they didn't just take him to Jesus, but they did it with this compassion, this deep level of love and feeling for this person. And the Bible says they lowered him down to Jesus. Now look what the Bible says. The Bible says that Jesus saw their faith. The Bible says that Jesus looked at them and saw their faith. And seeing their faith, he then looked at the man and said, Son, see, listen to me. Listen to me. We've got to get the story right. Too often times we read the story and we think, Oh, man, because the guys, man, they had so much love and compassion and they carried the dude to Jesus that he got healed and he was no longer paralyzed. That is the second part of the story. The first part of the story is they had so much love and compassion that they brought the man to Jesus and Jesus saved him right there at that moment why because he saw their faith how does that work I don't know but because of their faith he looked at the man not because of the man's faith it doesn't even say that because of the love compassion and grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ he looked at the man and said son your sins are forgiven you I can understand that this is, he looked at their faith and said, Son, because of what they did, because of their faith, I'm going to go ahead and save you right now. The religious people, we talked about them last week. Didn't we? No, I don't know how that one works. No, you're preaching heresy. That can't be right. I mean, the man's got to go through like a 17-step process or something. <laughs> because of their faith. Because they were on display. Someone got saved. Because they were on display. Someone got saved. Because of what Christ Jesus had done in their life. They said, Daddy, can I get the desk a day early? 
because I got some friends coming over and I want all my friends to see how awesome this thing is. Because of their faith, someone got saved. Because they were so excited about, I know what Christ has done for me. And because he did this for me, I've got to let others see so that when they see, they'll glorify my Father who is in heaven. So that you can do the good works that he planned for you long ago. The good works aren't for you to have a nice home, a good job, a great car, wonderful children. Although I hope you have all those things. The good works are for you to point other people to him. The good works are for you to live your life like this, not like this. Or even worse yet, remember the old song? This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. You don't remember that one? This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Hide it behind another canvas, oh no. I'm going to let it shine. Hide it behind another canvas, oh no. I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine. Now think about the man that just got healed. His painting. Christ says, "Uh uh-uh. this dude look what happens he goes on display and he arose immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all where did he go out before them all so that they were all amazed I mean think about it Jesus just saw their face son your sins are forgiven It would have been a tragedy for the guy to be like, okay. But instead, he goes out before all of them on display. Look what happens. And they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. Ladies and gentlemen, can you imagine the excitement of the man whose sins were just forgiven? But because God is so good, He didn't just heal the man's sins and leave him laying on his mat, but He said, hey, rise up, take up your mat, and go on your way. And the man took up, oh, you got to check this out, the man took up his mat. I would have left my mat there. But this guy picked up his mat. Why? So he could remember what life was like before Christ. And when anybody asked, say, hey, I was, I was the dude lying in that mat. But look what Christ has done for me. Yeah, I don't know how he did it. I, was, I mean, there was like this, this guy was like a canvas. And then he was like, whoop, and there was a river. And then there was like a tree. And then he did this. And then he said that. And then it was like, whoop, and then he flipped it. And I was like, Wow! 
made alive, brand new, so that I can declare all the wonderful things that he's done for me. God, we thank you for your word today. God, I thank you that your word is awesome. God, we thank you for your word. God, I thank you this morning for, for, for what we see in Ephesians 2.10. That we truly are your masterpiece. And you've created us anew. You've removed some sin from our life. <laughs>